Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Kyle Higgins. We hope you enjoy. We should take uh, audience questions in a minute, but I actually had a question first, um, which is about uh, the character Marshall in, yeah. in Radiant mm-hmm. Black. What is his fucking day job? It seems like he... <laughs> he, he He's like a, a guy who pairs weed with movies. What is this job? Okay, so he's very entrepreneurial, uh-huh. and he works at a retro video rental store that I wish existed uh, yeah. in my mm-hmm. hometown called The Real World. Mm-hmm. And um, he likes to use his position there uh, as a platform to try out his business ideas on customers, which are actually a series of one page comics that we do with back matter mm-hmm. in issues where I bring in different, uh, most of the time, you know, brand new creators mm-hmm. to do a one page story that we then publish. And it's just mm-hmm. has to be Marshall pitching a crazy business idea. <laughs> um, but when we first meet him in the store in issue two, the marquee says, uh, ask us about our, what, Oh, it says, uh, now, now featuring or guest starring CBD oil. It says, ask us about our What Lies Beneath plus Bath Bomb special. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's he's trying to sell these themed movie bath bomb pairings. Um, And uh, it's become a a recurring gag throughout issues. And uh, so far that we actually then made them as a part of a his idea when he becomes Radiant Black, spoiler, Mm -hmm. uh, was he needs to help his PR. He needs to, like, fix his image problem. Mm -hmm. And so there's this YouTube channel called Circle Guy News that just trash him. And this we did this on on real Twitter um, before people realized it was part of the book. We had an account that that did this. And uh, Bill Ryan and TJ, who run the Invincible podcast, they are actually Circle Guy News, and they are drawn as such in the book as themselves. Uh-huh. And so Marshall sits down with them with a business pit opportunity pitch which was they do his merch and he gives them access <laughs> and so the first ga- the first thing they offer is a help welcome me to your neighborhood radiant black ba- uh, black box uh-huh. and inside is a bath bomb uh uh-huh. with the radiant black <laughs> logo on it uh it's also a secret mystery box with invisible ink and qr fake uh in a different language that you have to translate to unlock a usb drive that is password protected and yeah, it's a whole thing. It was fun. <laughs> it just makes me tired for you, like on behalf of you. You made like, you pressed vinyl. I know, and I'm I'm tired all the time. <laughs> Are um, you still doing that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're still in the queue making them, but we're not we're not making any more. But like vinyl production is just a nightmare. So yeah. like, uh, I'm I embarking look, on that with something at the moment, and oh, 
Yeah. Mm. Well, we should compare. If you if you want advice or need help or anything, yeah. let me know. And uh, I'm I'm the person who could tell you what not to do. <laughs> I can give you good advice on that. Uh, I, I should not do it with a product that has a firm FOC date. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or or like a, a limit on how many you can make because uh, people when they want more, there's not a way to adjust for that. Yeah. Um, it's very yeah. fun. Uh, well, we got a we got one question. If you don't mind, Matthew let's, Rosenberg, let's do it uh, from Owen Sailor, which is also my main question for you, Kyle. So it's perfect. What is the process like for managing slash overseeing all the books over at Black Market Narrative? Uh, and they want to know about books in the Massive Verse, but also other books like Ordinary Gods and Last Flight Out. Uh, this is the thing. I, the main thing I've been so curious about is like with bringing in these new books with new creators that. Uh, several of them, you know, start in places that seem entirely unrelated, but they're yeah. part of this universe. So yeah, I've been so curious what that's like shepherding people in and connecting it all. Um, it's been, it's fun. Uh, mm -hmm. It's fulfilling. Um, it's a lot of work, yeah. um, you know, because it, it's basically Michael and myself across everything. Mm -hmm. um, and on a given day, that's to varying degrees of, of success. You know, we're, we're a little tired at the moment, but um, it, 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 there are some things in our process that I think are incredibly efficient and is part of why we're able to, to run as many projects and books in the manner we're able to. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are other things that it's like, oh man, this is, this is just one of those opportunity costs where it's like the manual, the manual labor side of this, you know, is something that I just can't, we can't afford to um alleviate at the stage like for example like i do all the pay statements by hand to every single creator you know michael does the accounting but then i'm I, i'm generating the pay statements and doing all the wire transfers or ach payments or paypal payments or whatever whatever form of money is going and then i have accountants that help me uh and anyway sort of yeah so mm -hmm. but stuff like that it's like that would be great to not have to do myself but that's just unfortunately the opportunity cost right now means that sure. you know you have to um but as far as like the the big big stuff that i think is integral is uh, and i i am a firm believer in this we basically run everything over google chat um mm -hmm. over the years uh matt you you got into comics uh still at the the right time when when creators were using google chat yeah uh it felt like everybody was on google chat and so it just became, and it, there was a period where like, my, I think when AOL, AOL instant messenger, we were still using and like that could integrate into like iMessage and G chat. And it was like one thing. So people were using that a lot. So I just kind of have stayed on it over these years. It's and the original so, hive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but my, you know, my black market kind of email setup, I have set up as a, as a company or as a, um, an organization kind of within Google. And so we actually run, hmm everything in threads and chat rooms and then right. all of our scripts all of our docs are all you know wow. like google doc based so everyone can see things at all times you can leave comments on things and stuff like that it's slack would probably be better for this but i can't i'm too ingrained between between gchat and dropbox those are our kind of big core things and i set up i'm, I'm really big on systems and michael's really really good with systems mm -hmm. and so like our file structure is 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 real well-maintained and um and so it's uh so that side of it's you know really efficient but then beyond that like yeah i, I kind of for me personally 
I kind of play a different role on each book. It feels like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, I kind of come in and out at times. Um, so like, I'm really, really involved getting it off the ground. And, and, you know, I, I think I've casted most of the artists on our books, mm-hmm. um, as well as colorists. And that includes like when someone needs to step off, like Chris O'Halloran wasn't able to, to continue on, on Rogue Sun was with the schedule. So we had to find a new colorist who also fits, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that just comes from many years of relationships, um, from working on a lot of books and knowing different art agents and just having a love of comic book art. That's probably my favorite thing about comics to this day is like, right. I'm still amazed by, um, by, by like finding good artists, finding exciting artists is like the thing that makes me like still get excited about oh, yeah. that stuff. Um, and then seeing them turn in awesome stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that there's that side of it. And then I kind of serve anywhere from like a consultant. I would say I'm more of a kind of creative consultant on Rogue Sun. Like I got it set up for mm-hmm. Ryan. Um, but Ryan knows what he's doing. Ryan knows how to run, you know, uh, long running books and things like that. So Ryan and I will, we talk through stuff all the time, but I'll call him with, stuff i'm trying to solve on radiant black and vice versa um dead lucky i'm a little bit more i'd say a little bit more of kind of a creative director on that one um just in that like you know melissa and i worked really really well together on power rangers because she was the exec on power rangers at saban and then hasbro um when i was doing the books and that continued on you know with us working on the video game together that i wrote for them and the short Mm -hmm. film and stuff like that and so it's fun like you know, we have a really good style of communication and, and, and kind of help. So, and it's her first book. So helping her kind of, you know, Matt, I'm sure you've, you've gone through this a ton where it's like you read sometimes a script or you'll see a script and you're like, I, I know why you're doing that. And like, I did the same thing. Uh That's not the move. And I'm telling, and it's hard to articulate why other than that. I know it won't work because I have, done it and it didn't work and it would really need to be but this is really hard to explain why what i'm pitching will work you know and and so that's been actually part of it that's been really fun for me Mm. and incredibly frustrating is like for the last two years like learning how to give notes and learning how you know i've I've always given (laughs) notes to friends and other creators but in a way where it's like especially if someone pushes back and then you have to figure out like well, why am I reacting the way I'm reacting to this thing? Is it because I just wouldn't do it this way? Or is it because there's something that I believe is like a tenant of storytelling for, for what I believe makes a good story that now I have to find a, figure out a way to articulate that that's helpful um, and additive, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I always, I always, people come to me and sort of ask me for reads and notes a lot and I always have. And I sort of, um, I think when I was at Marvel, like a, a, a decent number of the Marvel writing staff would like send me stuff and bounce stuff off me of like the exclusives. And so I was kind of always giving notes, but I never, I have so much respect for editors who can articulate what the problems are because I have such a hard time doing it. And I, it's so much easier for me to be like, this is how I would do it. Do you like this more? (laughs) Like, that's just how my notes are so often of just like, I'm going to show you what works for me. I don't know why it works for me exactly, right. or I have a hard time getting it out um, to you, but like, here's a, a different approach. And does it make sense? So like, yeah, I think, I think being a creative who, who has to give notes is, is a, well, 
and, it's a and, real different skill set. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the other thing too is that between the massive verse and then the stuff that's not in the massive verse, it's been fun to kind of it's been fun for our kind of vision of it to, to evolve and kind of change as we find the things that we're enjoying doing and also the things that are working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the th- one thing that's kind of consistent across the board is that everything that we are doing, um, we're, we're trying to build out with a really, really strong visual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Michael as the unifying kind of factor across all of these things is really great for that. Um, mm-hmm. it also means though, and this is why I flagged earlier that like when we did the league and I had the DVDs and the cover was really striking and, you know, we'd invested in that. That's something I've always been a kind of big believer in. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, it was Stevenson that said it to me a couple of years ago, we were talking about marketing and, and how, um, you know, a lot of creators conflate noise with marketing. Mm-hmm. And I had asked him, I said, well, then how do you, how do you sell a book in 2018, whatever year this was? And he said, it, it really comes down to it being a book that you're presenting with such a confidence and clarity of, of vision and presentation that it's like undeniable. Mm-hmm. And so it, that comes down to your logo. It comes down to your title. It comes down to pull quotes, it comes down to your colors, your, your interior design, you know, all of that stuff matters. And that's something that we, it's been really cool to be able to kind of art direct with Michael Mm -hmm. um, on a lot of these, these books, and then going out and finding cover artists that I think are in the same, you know, space and, and Michael as well. That's, that's been the stuff that we've really enjoyed. And also the stuff that has, has, there's a bunch of other stuff we're working on that hasn't been announced. Like, like a lot of stuff that like maybe too much stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, And that's the thing that has resonated kind of the most as well is that everything that we're putting together with and for other people um, being able to build it out with this very contemporary um, kind of uh, lensing has, has been something that, you know, definitely additive for us yeah the the aesthetics yeah. you guys have are so like i i read it i read it, the first arc in in single issues mm-hmm. but then i i picked up the trade and was giving it a reread last night and like that trade that volume one cover yeah mm-hmm. and then i was like man they have spot gloss on this yeah and i was like it's a 9.99 book and it's got spot gloss like there but that's be- we we said yeah that was our call you know, sure. and, and, oh, you're saying it because yes. Yeah. You and, know what it costs. To do. Yeah, I know yeah. what it costs. And I'm like, oh, they are really not sparing expenses no. to be like, this should be a beautiful. And it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite covers of the last few years is that that trade cover. I mean, it was like a B cover, right? Well, it's, it's actually an even, it's an even crazier story. So during, um, once I knew we were, once I had the idea for Radiant, okay, so I had the idea for Radiant Black. When Eric pitched to me this thing, like building out a contemporary superhero, I had been working on something that I was going to do um, with a different artist, and then schedules didn't work out. It was like kind of more of like a six issue, like post cyberpunk, post tech dystopia kind mm-hmm. of future, like a Mad Max Blade Runner type kind of future. Um, and it originally was going to be a digital series I was going to do with Jason David Frank after our Power Rangers coinless series didn't work out because Hasbro bought Power Rangers overnight for half a billion dollars. And 
understandably, mm-hmm. prior, you know, projects yeah. were no longer interesting to them. Um, but I that I was going to do this book, and it just was kind of this thing that was sort. It was called Radiant Black, and it had miniature black holes as the iconography. It was mm-hmm. very. It was much more of like an Aragorn, Lord of the Rings type story, where it's like the return of this thing that had been whispered about, you know. Um, and when Eric asked me about doing a contemporary superhero book, I was immediately like, well, the iconography and the name, I think, and some of the backstory I was building out, I was like, if I did that contemporary, that could really be a cool book. Mm -hmm. But then it became, all right, if I'm going to do that and I'm going to take that swing, I want this to be something that I could write for 10 years or 15 years without hating it. Mm-hmm. And it should be something that can grow and change with me. And, you know, it's Kirkman that I've heard say it, like you can't pick your hits, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was basically sitting here going, Power Rangers to Ultraman to Radiant Black. There's a reason why the, the book's not about me, but there's a lot of me in the book. Mm-hmm. And that's by design. And that also includes taking these crazy swings as we're trying to launch it with this big animated trailer, bringing in a theme song, like doing all the stuff that is a celebration of the reason that I love superheroes, the stuff I grew up on, the different cartoons, the different movies, the different ways that the movies were made back then. And so that cover actually was a still frame from the trailer that Marcel, that Eduardo Ferragato did storyboards for. And then Marcelo did as a finished in an animation style, uh, cell shaded still frame that Alex Siegel, who co-created Cowell with me and who I taught him how to video edit when we were 16 years old. He now <laughs> cuts, he shoots for Bear McCreary and cuts all of his videos and he cuts all of our stuff with black market, oh, cool. all of our trailers. He animates them. He's exceptional. Well, Alec wrote for years for me. So his storytelling, you know, sense is off the charts. Well, Alec animates the thing, and we all love how the trailer turns out so much. Marcelo goes, hey, I have an idea, and he takes that image, and he then does it, f- finishes it as a cover. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it's one of those moments where you're, you're trying to find a brand identity, yeah. but you can't, you can't force these things, right? right? The second that I had that Radiant Black design from Marcelo, so I, I jumped ahead, I'm a little all over the place, but I'm a better rewriter than writer. Um, <laughs> Once I started building this out, like, okay, let's do the Radiant Black Contemporary. Let's let's put a lot of myself into it. Let me build something that can talk about my fears and failures and, and just my look at just at our generation where we're at and and all of these other kind of issues and stuff I hadn't really seen in books mm-hmm. um, in this way. And then when Marcelo nailed the design is when I was like, I'm going all out. Like we are going to, I'm going to build this out to be something that, Um, can't be denied like i want to take a really massive swing with it and so in the 11th hour um that was not even a cover like we had the a cover from michael cho because that was something really important to me he was the first person i asked to do a cover because again i wanted to try something really bold and striking and then that helped settle our you know he did some tweaks to the logo that put it at a tilt that influenced how we developed the look of those early issues like the logo that we were using now on a tilt that particular cover, I actually was calling Jeff Boysen the like a few days before FOC, and I was like, or maybe it was a few days before announcement. Either way, and I was like, should we add a cover? 
And he showed it to Eric and Eric said, absolutely. And so we made that an issue an open to order B cover. Uh And when it printed, it printed really like not great. Uh There's this weird gradient banding down it. That's kind of like a green to purple tint out. Mm. And as we were discussing what we're going to do for the trade with Marcelo said, well, we all thought this was the cover, including Eric for the trade. And Marcelo Mm -hmm. had this idea of how to do a series of them going forward. So we all embraced it. Mm -hmm. And then it was Marcelo and I that went, let's, let's do this. Let's kind of redo this cover for the trade and make sure that blue, because Marcelo was a, before he was drawing radiant black, he was a colorist for at least 10 years full time. Mm -hmm. This is the book I kind of pulled him from coloring to do radiant black. And so he made sure that the cyan and and everything that he was doing for that cover was pure. So it's not going to print muddy. And that's mm-hmm. why it says kind of like vibrant as, as it is. And then the spot cloth. So sorry, that's way, that's like print nerd shit. But no, like, I liked it though. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I mean the spot gloss thing, I, cause I got the trade uh, from you at New York and I read it in the airport on my way back. And mm-hmm. I like, I was just rubbing the fucking spot gloss, the spot, like it's the, it's a big difference. <laughs> well that, and that comes, the reason why we did it, uh, I mean, we pro- maybe we would have done it anyway, but I was I was adamant about it from the get go because yeah. I did a book a few years ago called Hadrian's Wall, mm-hmm. and it's the soft touch finish on the cover, mm-hmm. and our on our book is it's black, but there's mm-hmm. no gloss on it at all, and it, it I actually think it looks really cheap as a result because spot gloss mm-hmm. or um, soft touch black tends to print muted, so yeah. your your blacks aren't very rich on it, and then if you don't have spot gloss to create at least i don't know spot gloss to me is like the great like equalizer of like any design and so, yeah right <laughs> in some ways it makes it, it just, yeah some things pop it feels a little more kind of prestige and i don't know yeah i love sure. it um do we have more audience questions i feel like we do we do have some folks from over on the Substack. uh mm-hmm. owens reviews also did want to know what is marshall's last name <laughs> i don't think we uh i don't think we we have revealed it yet stay tuned yeah it's not like a it's not a it's not like a reveal i just don't want to say it if i <laughs> oh my god what, no, if it was? In... what if what if it was spielberg <laughs> oh my god <laughs> guys it's rosenberg i'm not gonna... oh my god oh, that's a oh, great last name lucy yeah, that'd be cool. uh, no i just don't want to say it in case uh, it's until it's in print it's not canon so <laughs> yeah, right. okay. yeah for okay. sure fair well, we got the subset questions. I can kick us off uh, sure. if you'd like with a question from Dan. Uh, what are a couple of your favorite comic story uh, comic stories of all time? Ones that really blew your mind. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's a it's a good question, but it's also I feel like it's a question. It's a question that kind of comes down to eras for me. Um, mm. You know. I think it's the combination of when you read something uh, that's, that's as important as kind of the quality of the material. You know, I tried to read Watchmen when I was 12 or 13 and I didn't get it and I was bored and I, I didn't keep reading. And then I read you it. Check, you should check it out. It's pretty I read it. I, oh, <laughs> does it have, is it, you think there might be, I don't know. Give it another, here? give it another go. Yeah. It holds oh up. Um, but I read it at, you know, 18 or 19 in college and loved it you know i would say a lot of darwin cook's work was really kind of important and influential to me even in ways that i didn't know then 
Mm-hmm. And it's not stuff I would have said was my favorite, but looking back, it's the stuff that has stuck with me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love all of his Parker work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's in the same space as kind of any of Ed's, Ed Brubaker's work and what Ed and Sean do together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for my money, Invincible is probably the best comic superhero comic run of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and that's, I say that only having read it a few years ago for the first time. Like I read it during COVID. I had all the hardcovers here that Sean Kirkham had hooked me up with years ago. Or no, 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 not even years ago. It was like right before the world shut down. And so I just reread, I read it all in over the course of like two months mm-hmm. and uh, all 144 issues. And it, again, it was awesome to just find something to be a fan of again. Yeah. Like swings that it takes and the way that that book grows and matures I don't know that I would have said that about it if I read it five to 10 years ago, but reading it now, having built an original superhero series myself in Cowell, and then also building, you know, work for higher superheroes for many years, like reading it, I have so much respect for, for what it does and the kind of inside baseballness of it all and, and everything. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's funny. Cause I, I, when I talk about books that are a huge influence and I, I love invincible, I always I talk about The Walking Dead a lot, and I think yeah. people are like sort of caught off guard, and they're like, "Really?" And and I I point to this moment in The Walking Dead where there's a spoiler, so everyone can earmuff if they don't want to hear a spoiler from a book that came out 11 years ago. But mm-hmm. uh, The Walking Dead, there's a Monster. there's a scene in The Walking Dead where they get to this town and it's all safe and everything's yeah. okay, and they're told like, "You can stay here, but you have to turn your guns over. And you, you can, mm-hmm. we don't have weapons." And they all sneak out and and go and get their weapon. And they're like, you know, they sneak out and they're like, we have to get our weapons back. Like, it's not safe. These people don't understand the real world. And there's this moment and you're totally with them as a reader where you're like, yeah, I know what they've been through. I know what they are up against. Like, they do need their weapons. But then there's just this realization that's like, oh, they're the villains now. (laughs) And like, we're now following the bad guys because we've watched them be on this journey where they have no choice to, but to be bad guys. And the book sort of goes back on that and circles around, but I, it was a moment that I've never had in fiction before because yeah. I spent so long with those characters mm. and so long. And the way that Robert Kirkman and, and Charlie Adler and, and all them like can take a story and, and maneuver it to new places and recontextualize everything that came before and, mm-hmm. and make it mature and make your perspective on everything change in the story is like, it's a moment that, it, you know, like Spider-Man's always the good guy in Spider-Man. Like right. it's, they, mm-hmm. you never have a moment where you're like, Oh, is Spider-Man actually the bad guy here. Like there are moments, but that's not the arc of it. Right. But like in walking dead, he does that. So it's funny to hear you say like, yeah, invincible for me, the way it, the book matures. I was like, yeah, the walking dead, the way the book matures for me was such a, mm-hmm. such an eye opening thing for me. Yeah. As a storyteller. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's weird because you get asked a lot, like what's your, what's your favorite comic or, you know, I get asked a lot, like what my favorite movie is. Mm-hmm. And I, I always like to say that it's like, or I'll ask people if, if I turn around or, or talking to friends or, or whatever, it's like, well, what are your, what are your, give, give me your top four favorite movies today. Meaning mm-hmm. like, it's like, there's a recency bias, but it's also like what off the top of your head, like the caveat is like, it could change tomorrow. Cause it really does, yeah. you know, it, it's tough to narrow down. But what I go back to more, like increasingly my, my all time, I always say my, and it's true. My all time favorite movie is Memento. Mm-hmm. It's not a movie I rewatch all that often, but I, 
the reason it's my all-time favorite movie is because of what it represents for me as a creator sure. and it being this you know the epitome of taking full advantage of a concept and i have this whole kind of story i, I walk through about it in the moment you know like you're talking about in, in walking dead where you're like i didn't know you could do that and it makes perfect sense and it's this this great you know um kind of combination of again concept theme but also you know saying something uh well that that would be a theme um and just being really innovative um while still playing within an established genre that also is you know happens to be something that i really like i don't think it's his best movie i think the prestige is his best movie by far yeah i mean especially emotionally and narratively i think it is it's far more complex i feel like people are weird about the prestige i feel like people are idiots i I love the prestige i love the prestige i'm i'm more of a i'm more of a dunkirk person but (laughs) i would have loved it so much if you were like actually batman begins i I think i really like Batman. (laughs) it would just be a hot take no one uh tenant i love tenant i love tenant tenant fucking rocks yeah. I am not a tenant fan. He's not. No, you didn't understand it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, do we have more questions, Griffin? Yes, we do. Yes. Uh, we got one from Brian. Um, question for Kyle. You are the master of the Power Rangers radiant 90s feel stories and characters. What <laughs> other genre would you like to explore that would surprise your fan base and the industry? Um. Well, it's it's funny because I think what would surprise the industry uh, and fans might be to know that I've done stuff in those other genres. They just haven't bought them. <laughs> but Matt, you get that right. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good line. Um, no, it's it's I I like a lot of crime fiction, and and so I I do some work in in that kind of space um but like uh, yeah like I, I tend to like doing you know for a while i was doing a lot of sci-fi noirs it felt like um even even cowl is this very noirish uh period piece um historical fiction is a lot of fun and i haven't done a ton of that um i've done some like and i've, I've done these books that like definitely have touches of it where i go ooh, yeah that that would be fun to 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 actually really dive in on the right thing and and, and commit yourself to one day like um so i the one of the, the the first big batman book i did at dc was this series called gates of gotham and it was this uh kind of then and now uh murder mystery of uh and scott and i did it together you know he helped me break the story and then i wrote it and then i brought in ryan parrot actually to write the last three issues with me because I was then doing new 52 and just was way over extended as a, as a brand new writer. Um, but um, it was looking at kind of the beginnings of Gotham city. And it was looking at kind of like the rise of the first skyscrapers and the building of a modern, you know, America through the lens of 1880s um, Gotham and, and the families of power, the Waynes, the Elliots, the Cobblepots, the Canes that really kind of shaped the future direction of the country and specifically the city. And so diving into all that stuff was like a blast. And I was on a big devil in the white city kind of kick around that. And my dad is a huge, uh, my dad's really an engineer and, and has, um, he's a really big, uh, train aficionado and like mm-hmm. still like chases steam engines and goes out and does like 
photo shoots and stuff like in rural places with like historic steam engines that have been restored and run on tracks for rail fans and stuff like that. So all that kind of stuff is, is, is fun uh, to me, but it's also like, I'm like my, yeah, I can't, I'm, <laughs> like, I know what I'm doing right now through 2024, <laughs> like, like probably including what, including 2024. So it's the idea of like, of adding anything else um, <laughs> is, is really, really, scary and daunting <laughs> no matter how much the genre and be fun it'd be cool to do a western one day hmm. yeah you know, that'd be cool they were gonna make that devil in the white city movie what's leo doing with that? i don't know uh, do we want to go do a quick quiz do we want to wrap things up? <clears> i've got one more question, one more question ethan. ethan all right i just felt like you know things had come to a close no, we got one well, more. We, if we, 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 we want to artificially lengthen the podcast. We're not, it's not artificial. This is very organic. Everything it's about this feels organic. synthetic. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> wow. We'll, we'll wait till you hear the question. Okay. This better we, be good, Griffin. We don't know. <laughs> we, we, we don't know. Uh, we don't have I'm, 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 look, I'm looking down the line of the questions. I knew it. We did always. Sebastian's, we pretty much, we answered. I had a feeling in uh, my gut. We do this professionally, uh, man. I, I, I will ask one question to, to end it. Um, okay. And this is a question that I wouldn't normally ask a creator. Uh oh. Um, Who am I shit talking about? <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. um, why do you hate me? No, I. Uh, this is <laughs> you a want an alphabetical, numerical, <laughs> a chronological. Did you choose your own path? Um, or? This is definitely not YouTube gold. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, it might be un- unvacked gold. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, the, so my question is I wouldn't ask anyone else this because I don't think other people's careers work the way yours does and it sort of goes back to the question about planning but like what is do you have an end game with radiant black do you have a final story is it going a place do you and as i started to write this i realized i was like the question i really want to know is do you want it to keep going after you die yeah that's a great question isn't it like that's something that you don't really think about you think you have an answer to uh, one way or another when you start a book. Mm-hmm. And look, it's one thing to think that and to, to think and believe even after, like, even if you've gotten to a point of being cynical, like, and so if you're believing that something's going to work and you've lasted this, you know, 10 years in the industry, like maybe there's a shot that it's going to work. Like if you, if you really think you're attuned to the different levers that need to kind of be, working in your favor on a on a book and that includes the creative it includes marketing it includes the angle it includes the market it includes all of these things right presentation all of that um it's another thing for it to actually work mm-hmm. and so going through the experience of it working and then also the scaling that we've done kind of at the pace we've done it mm-hmm. um i the, the short answer is i don't know Um, because I, you know, I for sure have, I have an ending, um, but at the same time, the way that I've built everything thus far (laughs) is like, I know what the first like 36 issues of the book are and there's stuff in the book next year that we're doing that is also, um, very ambitious. Hmm. And I think once we start once that start stuff starts coming out, I think you'll understand, like you'll see what, why I'm being kind of cagey here about what 
the direction of the book, the future of the book, like whether the book even can exist um, anymore. Like that's all stuff that, uh, yeah, there's, there's some big narrative kind of narrative swings coming up. So I would say though, like, you know, somebody warned me at one point, not warned me, but they were, they were, they were politely telling me like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let other people write my characters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cause I was talking about bringing on co-writers for some of these, you know, issues. And we brought on, I've brought on quite a few co-writers. Um, and it's, I didn't really understand what I didn't, I, you know, I definitely didn't understand what, when they were saying it, like what, why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I understand it now. I don't agree with it personally, but it is a, it's an interesting experience when it's, you know, again, like watching Cherish build out Satomi on Radiant Red and watching Megan and Melissa build out um, Eva and Radiant Pink is awesome. Like, I love that. Sometimes I feel bad giving notes uh-huh. because, but they're also part of our, you know, this, the main Radiant Black kind of book and, and Marcelo and I have to steer that and we have plans for things as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so that experience has, has, you know, been something that's changed kind of my feelings about it because now I've done it and other people have written my books or my, mm-hmm. you know, our characters. And, you know, also I have, you know, Alec Siegel and Joe Clark um, come on uh, from time to time and co-write with me. And, and Joe is one of my oldest friends from high school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really cool. I could, I could see, whereas I think like for, for a long time, like the idea of like letting someone else write the main series solo mm-hmm. was like absolutely a non-starter for me before. Um, I think with where we've kind of gotten to in our heading, um, like it's definitely not a non-starter anymore. Like I'm, I'm more comfortable with the idea of it now, whether that means like, should the character continue on? Like after I'm dead, I mean, on the one hand, like what the hell am I going to care? But on the other, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Screw it. Let him (laughs) This isn't, this isn't legally binding. You can change your mind. decided right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. well, that's a that was a great answer, and I appreciate uh, all your thoughtfulness on the topic, Kyle. <laughs> I got um, nothing. I got nothing else. I, but but more than anything, I appreciate you coming on, man. I uh, I miss hanging out with you, but also uh, it's really fun to get to pick your brain on this stuff because, like mm. I said, like you are the creator more than almost anyone else in the field that I look to, and I'm just like how is he doing this? Like, it's so inspiring and, <laughs> oh, and intimidating and impressive. And it's, I've just been in love with it the whole time. And so well, it's great to well, talk about it. Thank you. That, that truly means a lot. And it's, it's also one of those things where like, I don't know who, I assume no one knows what we're doing. No one's watching. Like <laughs> we're, I'm just doing this with my friends and yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's, but also, like, social media is obviously very different than it was. Sure. Um, it was always a lie to begin with, but now it's, like, now now a lot of the people that I enjoyed interacting with, like, aren't even there, you know? Yeah. So, like, um, but, uh, sorry, I don't know if that's really loud or not. 
the phone in the back. You're getting a call from the 1950s, dude. You got. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's my uh, it's my bat phone. I'm not kidding. I have a red. Oh my god. A 60s landline bat phone over there. Oh, wow. um, it used That's to be next to my desk, but um, no. The um, yeah, I just I we're just kind of making this making the stuff, and like I assume that you know pros don't care or know what we're doing. Like everyone's involved in their own stuff, you know. Like we mm. all are. Um, but the thing it does, like, I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's fun when I hear from, from other people and pros, I respect that they, they like, they dig this stuff. And, you know, at New York comic-con we did, we did an exclusive for radiant black 18 where, um, it was the origin of radiant yellow. So, um, he can perceive all the different branching points kind of in his life and he can place his consciousness into any, basically any choice kind of moment. Of them and then perceive out it's it's kind of a doc it's kind of the doctor strange thing a little bit with what we're doing with this is uh, ultimately is, is, is pretty different but um the point is for his origin i thought playing with form it'd be really cool if we told his origin issue as four eras of his life all at once each mm-hmm. era separated by 18 years for issue 18 so it's mm-hmm. 1984 2002 uh, 2020 and 2038. Mm-hmm. And you can read it as I wrote it with Lawrence Holmes, friend of mine, a radio personality in Chicago, but I structured it so that you can read it as page turns, right? You read left to right. Cause it's all double page spreads. Mm-hmm. So you read the top row, then the second row, then the third row, then the fourth row, turn the page top, second, third, fourth. Right. But for New York comic-con, we printed a version. We only made 250 copies but I really pushed for us to do this because I wrote it to work this way where it's an accordion fold out. So you mm-hmm. can actually, it's all 22 pages out like this. So you can read one timeline all the way across one timeline, all the way across, et cetera, et cetera. And then they okay. converge at a moment when he touches the radiant and you realize that they're all being perceived at once. And it's a really cool, like different, you know, reading experience. And that's the stuff like there were, you know, Capullo was very complimentary. I'll, I'll say that. That was like really, it was a cool, it was a fun moment. You know, yeah. there were a number of, a number of pros that were very, uh, very kind of uh, complimentary about it. So. Hmm. Well, Ethan and I were fucking stoked about it when we missed <laughs> a couple of copies. We were yeah, very much the, the walk back to the hotel that day from the, from the con was like, how the fuck did he do this? this is- <laughs> so that as, as aspiring creators, that was super awesome to see. So Absolutely. excellent work, sir. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, it's you're, you, you just, you just got to make the stuff like that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Kyle, for coming out. And spending Thank time you, with Kyle. Us. And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Kyle Higgins. Make sure to check out Radiant Black as well as everything else Kyle is working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Kyle D. Higgins and subscribing to his newsletter at kyledhiggins.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at GriffShare. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh